Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this fine Thursday in Philadelphia. Calling for snow again tomorrow. Winter officially here. We haven't had a winter like this in a while, but looks like snow in the forecast again for tomorrow. But there's a lot to talk about today on the Philly Sports Power Hour. Yesterday was clean-out day for the Philadelphia Eagles cleaning out their lockers, want to talk about some of the things that the players said to the media. I thought some things were telling. There were some reports last night about what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles and their head coach, Nick Sirianni, where Jeffrey, Jeffrey Lurie is right now. So we'll talk about that. Big trade in the NBA that some people thought the Sixers would be involved in. They weren't. We'll talk about that. And our fly guys open up a four-game homestand tonight. For the Philadelphia Flyers. And like we're joined every Thursday, we'll be joined by Mark Farzetta later in the show. Want to get his take on what's going on with this Philadelphia Eagles organization. But we are streaming live here on the Jacob Sports Network on YouTube. We are also live on TikTok like we are every single day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. This is the Philly Sports Power Hour. And for those of you on TikTok, if you want to see Mark Farzetta, I'll let you know at the break, we'll have to end our TikTok stream because we can't bring guests on there. So we'll head, we'll get you guys over to YouTube. So just stay tuned. I'll give you that at the break. But let's get a little roll call from our Philly Sports Power Hour crew. I got Ringo Island in the house, nice and early. Wants to know my thoughts on Fletcher Cox calling Jeff McClain a, cl- a clown. I actually didn't see that. I'll have to go take a look, Ringo. The real RMP in the house. Wine Niners Wine, as always. Talking about our Flyers. Love it. Decoy Gaming, Denise Lorada, the ARS Bench, Mike Fittery, Elliot, Luis, Twiz, Flexin and Steppen, Jason A-Team, Jimmy Wen, Transistor Zen, Daz. We got the whole crew. Loving it. William Stark, who we got on TikTok. Let's get a little roll call of our TikTok crew as well. And if I missed you guys, I apologize. I see you, William Stark. But appreciate all you guys being here. But let's jump into the biggest news in the last 12 hours, I guess, maybe a little bit longer, came out last night that Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman have been calling available coaches and coaches' agents to get interest with regard to replacing the coordinators. And this was originally reported on Twitter. We immediately assumed that that meant Nick Sirianni must be coming back as head coach. And then it got reported after the fact that Sirianni and Lori have not met yet. They still haven't met. They're going to meet, I believe, tomorrow. And that this was a part of what Lori wanted Nick Sirianni to do, to come up with a plan 
of what his coaching staff would look like next year and come up with a plan of how they fix things next season. And this is similar to what they did back in 2020 with Doug Peterson. From all reports, back in 2020, Dougie P was coming back as head coach. But once he laid out his plan to Jeffrey Lurie and Jeffrey Lurie shared a different vision for the future, Peterson was gone. So could that happen here? Sure. I don't think anything is off the table yet. But I do think that it is leaning more towards the fact that Nick Sirianni is coming back. Now, the report is Jeffrey Lurie is in the Caribbean. He's buying a yacht. Who knows what the hell he's doing? But I think they're going to meet today or tomorrow. I see some people in the chat saying they're meeting today. But I'm sure we'll hear more over the next 24 hours about what's going on with this coaching search. Now, I'll tell you this. Before I get into my opinions about Nick Sirianni and what Jeffrey Lurie should do, understand something here, guys. Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman calling around the league to gain interest with regard to who would come on as a coordinator. NFL teams can block lateral moves. So if they're looking for an experienced play caller that's already an offensive coordinator on another team, you're probably not getting that person. That eliminates guys who are already doing a good job as an OC somewhere because teams can block lateral moves. So then who else is available that's not currently an OC somewhere? And a name that immediately pops to mind would be Frank Reich. Would Frank Reich come in here as your offensive coordinator? Would that be a move that satisfies fans, but more importantly, Jeffrey Lurie? Another name comes to mind, Eric Bieniemy. I don't think his contract or has been terminated yet, but probably will when the commanders bring on a new coach. But Eric Bieniemy could be a guy on the offensive side of the football. And then on defense, when we're talking defensive coordinator, the pipe dream would be Jesse Minter from Michigan. That would be the pipe dream for me. The issue is, if Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL, I'd be shocked if he doesn't bring Jesse Minter with him after what we just saw Michigan do. But just understand, I know a lot of people talk about some other OCs out there. If they're already an OC, it's going to be tough to get them because the NFL team could block the lateral move. But here's my position on this, guys, and this may get you upset. Because now that I've had time to really reflect and calm the emotions down of this season ending a lot sooner than all of us thought, calming down my anger and frustration for the epic collapse that we saw. As I take a step back, and I know you're going to kill me in the chat, but as I take a step back, I think you bring Nick Sirianni back. I think Nick Sirianni should be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles next season. And as bad as things got, I don't think that we can ignore what this guy did in his first three seasons. And I'm going to give you a laundry list of reasons why I think you bring Nick Sirianni back. First of all, let's just go back to before the San Francisco 49ers game. 
At that point, the Philadelphia Eagles were 10-1. and Nick Sirianni was the third coach ever in NFL history to lead his team to two straight 10-1 and seasons. Joining Tony Dungy and the 05-06 Colts, who had Peyton Manning, and Don Shula and the 72-73 Dolphins. That's it. Three coaches in NFL history have led their teams to consecutive 10-1 and or better starts. Shula, Dungy, and Nick Sirianni. Through Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts' first 45 games together, they were 34-11. and That is the fifth most ever by a head coach and quarterback duo. Joining Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, John Fox and Peyton Manning, and Don Shula and Dan Marino. I don't think we can ignore these things, guys. And I know people are saying, oh, well, they had an easy schedule. All of these teams over the history of the NFL had opportunities with easy schedules. It's still not easy to do what Nick Sirianni had done before that 49ers game. And I want to talk about the Super Bowl hangover. Because I do think we are ignoring the Super Bowl hangover. How difficult it is to get back to a Super Bowl after losing the big game the year before. And you've heard me talk about it before on this show. There are only six coaches, six, in the entire history of the Super Bowl era who have ever been able to even get back to a Super Bowl after losing it the year before. And you are talking about absolute legends of head coaches. The 71 Cowboys and Tom Landry, the 72 Dolphins and Don Shula, the 73 Vikings and Bud Grant, the 86 Broncos and Dan Reeves, the Buffalo Bills in the 90s and Marv Levy, and the 2018 Patriots and Bill Belichick. That's it. Those are the only coaches to ever overcome losing the Super Bowl the year before and getting back the following year. And you want to take it one step further, none of those coaches, none of them lost both of their coordinators after the Super Bowl. In fact, only two teams ever in the Super Bowl era have lost both coordinators after going to a Super Bowl. The 1995 San Francisco 49ers and the 2005 New England Patriots. Again, Two pretty damn good coaches in Bill Belichick and George Seifert. And do you know what the 95 Niners did? They lost in the divisional round. Do you know what the 05 Patriots did? They lost in the divisional round. So as I take a step back and let my emotions subside and my anger and frustration subside at the way it ended, I don't think that you could take all of this and everything that Sirianni has done, who, again, is the only coach in Philadelphia Eagles history to start his career as a head coach, taking his team to the playoffs three straight seasons. No Eagles coach has ever done that. And then compare that 
to what other people have done. And you're talking about legends who have been able to overcome the Super Bowl hangover. You're talking about his record through his first 45 games and comparing it to legend duos in the NFL. And let's just look at Nick Sirianni's winning percentage. Nick Sirianni right now has a 667 regular season winning percentage. That is 14th all time in the NFL. There's only one active coach who has a higher winning percentage, and that's Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. And I'm not comparing Sirianni to Belichick and Andy Reid. Those guys have done it a lot longer. But just to put that into perspective, Bill Belichick's winning percentage is 647. Andy Reid's regular season winning percentage is 641. Nick Sirianni's is 667. So I get it. I'm frustrated too. I look at the collapse and it was epic. It was historic. But for us now, taking a step back, thinking this guy is just a clown and just a cheerleader, you cannot accomplish what he's been able to accomplish in three seasons if he's a clown and he's a cheerleader. There's more on why I think he should come back. And I've said it before on this show that if I was Jeffrey Lurie, I'm talking to my veterans. I'm talking to the three guys who have been with the Eagles organization longer than anybody in Philadelphia Eagles franchise history. Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham. Three guys who have played more games than anyone in an Eagles uniform. And look at what those guys said yesterday. Fletcher Cox was asked about should Nick Sirianni come back as head coach. Fletcher Cox's words, come on, man. He's the head coach of this football team. Come on, man. There ain't even no effing discussion about that, man. Now, listen, players are probably not going to say, fire him, okay? But if you watch and you listen to what they're saying, you can see if it's just lip service or if they truly believe. And that was Fletcher Cox endorsing his head coach. Jason Kelsey was asked, of course. I love Nick. I think Nick's a great coach. I really do. I think he's a great coach. I will always have faith in Nick. I think he does a lot of things organizationally that I think are really well done and strategically. And I've heard Jason Kelsey talk before about how good of a coach Nick Sirianni is. And Brandon Graham said the same thing on the Brandon Graham show the other night talking about Nick Sirianni. And I don't think that's just lip service. And I think we need to listen to these leaders who have had a lot of head coaches. I think we need to listen to Jason Kelsey. need to listen to Fletcher Cox. And there's more. There is more on why I think you bring Nick Sirianni back. So in addition to all of the accomplishments that I just run off, just ran off, in addition to the leaders supporting Nick Sirianni, it's Howie Roseman. And what I mean by that, I don't think this was Nick Sirianni's decision to move on from Sean Desai when they moved on from Sean Desai. You've heard me say that before. I think that was Howie Roseman. I think that was Jeffrey Lurie. I don't think that was Sirianni's decision. And if it wasn't Sirianni's decision, 
then how can we hold Sirianni accountable for really what was the final nail in the coffin to this season? Because when they made that desperate move, it was over. They lost the locker room. They lost the defense for sure. So if that was, in fact, not Sirianni's decision, then I don't think we can hold Sirianni accountable for that dreadful decision. And to take it a step further, it wasn't Sirianni who decided to ignore the linebacker position and ignore the safety position and who hasn't been able to draft a defensive player in the last five years that's made a Pro Bowl. That's on Roseman. So when I give you this list of everything that Sirianni has done, when I give you the list of the coaches who have been able to overcome a Super Bowl hangover, when I give you the list that there's only two teams ever in history to go to a Super Bowl and lose both coordinators, and then you put that on top of the fact that Howie Roseman provided a defense that lacked personnel, when you put that on top of the fact that the defensive coordinator was switched with only four games left, which was the worst decision of the season, When you put all of that together, as much as it is frustrating to hear, and when I let my emotions subside and look at it, objectively, Sirianni should be back as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. I know that makes a lot of people upset, but that is the reality of what we have right now. And I know one of the issues is, well, what does Sirianni do? He's not calling plays. What does he do? There are a lot of CEO coaches in the NFL who have had success. Look at one of the best right now, John Harbaugh with the Baltimore Ravens. He's not an offensive guy. He's not a defensive guy. He was a special teams coach with the Philadelphia Eagles, but he is one hell of a CEO type coach. Now, Mike Tomlin, a defensive coach, but more of a CEO-type coach. Dan Campbell, an offensive coach, but more of a CEO-type coach. It can be done, and it can be done successfully. So that's my position on it. I'm going to bring in Mark Farzetta after the break, and I have a feeling he's going to disagree with me that Nick Sirianni should stay, but I'm going to give him all of the reasons I just gave you, see if I can convince our man Farzi that keeping Sirianni is the right choice. But stay tuned, guys. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. We will be right back with our Thursdays with Farzi, Mark Farzetta. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody, and welcome back in to the Philly Sports Power Hour. I know I made some of my Power Hour crew a little angry with that rant I just went on, but I truly believe if you take a step back and you look at the big picture here, moving on from Nick Sirianni would be a knee-jerk reaction after everything the guy has done in three years. And I see everyone in the chat. What has he done? He's a clown. I still don't think you win as many games as they have won over the last three seasons and get to a Super Bowl if the guy is an absolute clown. I'm not buying that. But I want to get my man Mark Farzetta's opinion on this. So let's bring in Farzi. What's going on, my brother? Oh, he's not happy with me. I knew it. (laughs) I knew he wasn't going to be happy. And this is coming from Nick Sirianni's brother, Mark Farzetta. Nah, we disowned him. Yeah, you lose six or seven like that, and it's either you're out of the family. He no longer is allowed to look like me. He cannot go bald. He cannot put on 20 pounds of weight because then he would look too much like me and he'd disgrace the, 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 the family name. So I am I'm out. I'm out on Nick Sirianni. What the hell were you talking about? You don't you don't let him go, you keep him. The, the better idea is to keep him. What the hell's going on there, Calarulo? So far as he when the game ended against the Tampa Bay Bucks, We did the post-game show together. I was just as angry as everybody else. And my initial reaction is, you got to get rid of him. He can't come back. This team gave up on him. They checked out. But as I've now gone the last couple of days, letting mm. the emotions subside, and I take a look at what this guy has done, and you joined, I saw you in the green room, you joined a little bit later. I was going through some stats. I mean, just listen to this, Farzi. Let me, let me try to sway you here. Okay. There's only three coaches in NFL history who have led their team to back-to-back seasons 10 and 1 or better. Tony Dungy, 
Don Shula and Nick Sirianni. You look at Jalen Hurts and Sirianni through their first 45 games. They have a record of 34 and 11. That is the fifth best ever through 45 games. And the other four, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, John Fox and Peyton Manning, and Don Shula and Dan Marino. I mean, these are the comparisons of what Sirianni's been able to do. And then last thing, I think that we are underestimating the Super Bowl hangover and the effects of losing both coordinators in the Super Bowl. So not only have there only been six coaches ever to lose a Super Bowl and get back, none of those coaches ever had to overcome losing both their offensive and defensive coordinators. And in fact, only two teams in the history of the Super Bowl era have lost both coordinators after going to a Super Bowl. You got to go back to the 2005 Patriots. They lost in the divisional round. The 1995 San Francisco 49ers, they also lost in the divisional round. So when you put all of this together and you couple it with the fact that Howie Roseman gave him a crappy defensive roster, and if you truly believe it was Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie who made the decision to change defensive coordinators with only four games left, why would we fire Nick Sirianni? We as a people, as a fan base, because we want a head coach that actually has a little thing called power, has a little thing called sway. We don't want things to be run by the meddling owner, the analytics department, and the general man manager, Howie Roseman, which is weird to say that the name Howie Roseman as the third in this pecking order, but I truly believe that this has become Jeffrey Lurie's football team, not just with him signing checks and being the owner, but it has been his football team where he might as well just slap a whistle on him and have him out there calling plays and running drills in practice. All the great examples and the great names you just referenced that had those historical starts at 10 and one, or were able to get back to a Super Bowl, or were able to compete and win the, their division and their conference uh, time and time again. How many of those guys, how many of those head coaches and quarterback combos had to rely on one offensive coordinator the way the Eagles seem to have really relied on their offensive coordinator and Shane Sykin, who only just missed the playoffs with Gardner Minshew as his starting quarterback for the majority of the season? All those other aspects, all those other factors factor in to the decision of, as to why the Eagles need to move on from Nick Sirianni. Now, Will they? If you're asking me, will they? No, that's not happening. I don't think that's happening now. He's supposed to have the meeting. That's supposed to happen later today, so we'll see how that works out. But this is such a unique scenario. And you look at how the Eagles are ranked, you know, in top 10 in offense and all that. They got some pretty incredible weapons, including the entire offensive line, which was misused throughout this entire season, still yet ranked the best in football. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, a good running back, obviously an MVP candidate quarterback. And we're bragging about being top 10, top seven in the NFL. They should be even better than that. And then you look at the defensive side of the ball. Don't get me wrong. The dumbest thing the Eagles have done, defensively speaking, in the last 20 years, worse than Juan Castillo being named their defensive coordinator, was fire a guy essentially, strip him a play calling with four games left. And you know how you know that? Not just the proof being in the pudding by what they saw, but also listening to the defensive players talk about it. Fletcher Cox was hilarious yesterday, funnier than actually Hassan Reddick when he said that the higher-ups decided to make that decision. He was asked the question point blank, was it worth it? Fletcher Cox, Fletcher Cox asked the question, was it worth it to move to a different defensive coordinator? Man, I, I, I'm employee number 91. 
That's above my pay grade. That went down that aisle, but was so agitated and angry when he answered the question. He knew how he really felt about it. This team needs an overhaul across the board when it comes to the coaching staff. And the fact that Nick Sirianni couldn't be the guy, as he had been in other aspects over the last two years, the guy to help fix the problem, the guy to have the players pull focus. Because if you're not calling plays as an offensive-minded head coach, then what is it you do here? Well, you better have one hell of a game plan. Didn't really see that this season. Oh, and you better be one hell of a motivator. Certainly didn't certainly didn't see that over the last couple of games of the season. That, to me, just means, as a front office, you need a complete overhaul. The fact that the Eagles won't do it is one simple reason. You get to allow Jeffrey Lurie, uh, Julian Lurie, the analytic team, and Howie Roseman continue to be the kings of the playground. And the man that they have as their head coach continues to be, for lack of a better term, a puppet. And if you go out and hire a different offensive coordinator, you know what's definitely not going to happen? That offensive coordinator is absolutely not going to overrule the head coach and then overrule the general manager and then overrule the owner. But if you bring in a Jim Harbaugh, hell, if you even bring in a Mike Vrabel, those guys are going to be fighting for their own right to run their team. And that's not going to happen with Nick Sirianni. It's not going to happen with many other people. Maybe somebody else after Sirianni that's just happy to have a job like Sirianni is right now. So for me, the reason people want to move on is because of also the historical collapse. You talk about the incredible numbers that they match up against against some of those big names that you mentioned. But how about the first team since the 86 Jets to fall apart in this way? And those 86 Jets didn't have Super Bowl aspirations like this 2000, uh, excuse me, 2023 Eagles team did. So for me, it's an overhaul. All the guys said really nice things. I don't believe a lot of them, <laughs> but they the way they played, their actions screamed a hell of a lot louder than any words in the locker room yesterday. So a lot to unpack there, Farsi, but let's first talk about <laughs> yes. one of your issues is that Nick Sirianni is a puppet to yes. Jeffrey Lurie and Julian Lurie. They're not going to bring in a coach Correct. that has a strong personality. They're not going to bring in a guy like Belichick or even Mike Vrabel. So it sounds like your bigger issue is with Jeffrey Lurie. So yes, it's not Sirianni. It's it's the way Jeffrey Lurie likes to run his organization. And yes. I will agree with you that I do think what happened back in 2015 with Chip Kelly and then what happened after that with Doug Peterson and then being able to win a Super Bowl. When they won Super Bowl 52, as great as it was, one of the best days of my life, being in Minnesota, watching that win, that completely emboldened, is that the right word? Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, that yeah. this is the way we're going to do it. We're going to be in control. Yeah. We are not going to let a coach get a lot of control. And it also emboldened Howie Roseman that we could ignore the linebacker position and I'll bring in one-year fixes. We can ignore the safety position and I'll bring in one-year fixes. And as great of a day as that was, yes, that could have also been a major issue. But I will say this, since I'm now the defender of Nick Sirianni, <laughs> I will say this. I don't understand, and you just said, well, what is it that you do here? And I agree that the collapse was epic, but we say this all the time. Players say this all the time. Coaches say this all the time. It's not easy to win in the NFL, and I don't think that that is just a cliche. It is not easy to win in the NFL and you look at how many games Sirianni has won over the years yes it was an epic collapse yes we've never seen anything like that before 
But when you go through everything that occurred with the D.C. being changed in the middle of the season, when you're having no linebackers and you're having no safety, yes, the offense should have been better. I'm not absolving him of that. I just don't think that we could throw everything out the window because of a six or seven game sample size when you look at the last three years of what this team's been able to accomplish. So for me, it's it's a lot like when people talk about the regression of Jalen Hurts. Like you, you haven't even scratched the surface of the problem if, if you want to talk about how Jalen Hurts took a big step back because it goes beyond just the play of a quarterback. And it's weird to say that because you're talking about the most important position, uh, I think, in American sports and certainly the most important position in all Philadelphia sports when you're talking about the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Nobody has scrutinized more. Nobody has blamed more. Nobody has praised more than the quarterback of the Eagles. So I look at Jalen Hurts, and I, I don't see just a problem with Jalen Hurts. I see a problem with coaching. I see a problem with game plan, and I see a problem with the overall philosophy of the Philadelphia Eagles right now. And really what I think it boils down to is that Jeffrey Lurie uh, brought in Andy Reid. And Jeffrey Lurie was, what, in his fifth year maybe of ownership when he brought in Andy Reid uh, after Ray Rhodes. And then he learned a lot. He, you know, signing checks and that's it. Uh, you own the team. You run the team, that whole thing. You had other guys in place to make sure that you guys were put in a good position to win a lot of games and all that stuff. And Jeffrey Lurie was happy to sign the checks. Got his new stadium, happier to sign the checks, all that stuff. But the more he grew under Andy Reid and then went to Chip Kelly, and the more he learned about the game of football as somebody who was not an absentee owner, not some guy in France, as Buddy Ryan used to refer uh, to, who was a lettered toast back in the day. You look back on those those days, it, it, Jeffrey Lurie was an owner similar to guys that just want to invest in the team and watch him win. Now he's an owner that invests in the team and wants a lot to do with how they win. And you go back to the meetings with Doug Peterson after Chip Kelly. Oh, yeah, you ran the ball a lot. Why not pass? Well, because that's what we needed to do to win the game. Yeah, but we like passing. Like, okay, why is that even a conversation after we won? And then you go through the same thing now with Nick Sirianni. And it went to the point where you had to fire Doug Peterson because you wanted to hire his coaches. At some point, as an owner, don't you want to sit back and just have a coach that knows what the hell he's doing, that has experience? That can, I don't know, that you can rely on to make the decision and learn how to interpret the numbers properly rather than you just give them information. For, for me, it just doesn't make sense. This Eagles team is run completely ba uh, ass backwards. And yes, you're right. It's not just the coaching, it's not just the player. It has to do with how the organization is run in its entirety. So that's really the problem that I have. The unfortunate part of it is I think every Eagles fan is willing to admit this Jeffrey Lurie ain't selling the team tomorrow. The Lori name is going to be on the Philadelphia Eagles far into the future, probably you know in when our kids are in college, my friend, even beyond that. So that's not changing anytime soon. The only thing that can change that can give us some hope is the idea of another head coach coming in here that might actually win a power struggle against somebody to be more in charge. And I sum it up with this. We as NFL fans, we as Eagles fans, we never want to look at the head coach as if he is employee number three. Okay, you want to look at him as if he is the boss, that the decisions start and end with him when it comes to everything on the football field. Nobody feels like that. They feel like Nick Sirianni is employee number three or four uh, under Howie Roseman, Julian Lurie, somebody else in the analytics department, and then maybe you get to the head coach. So for me, that doesn't instill a lot of confidence from the fan base and the guy that is there on the sidelines. I want to talk about the veterans for a second because I agree that some of these guys sometimes just give lip service to the media. But mm -hmm. when I watched and listened 
to what Jason Kelsey had to say yesterday, and that wasn't the first time that he has thrown support behind Nick Sirianni. I've heard him quite a few times talk about how good of a coach Nick Sirianni is. And I remember a few months ago, him comparing Sirianni and Andy Reid and talking about how great of a coach Andy Reid was and then comparing him to Sirianni about some of the things that Sirianni does so well. Do you really think that Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox are just giving us lip service or do they truly believe in Nick Sirianni? Uh, I believe they I believe they believe in Nick Sirianni as a good coach. And the most optimistic way to look at it that also has, I think, a semblance in something that makes sense, a hand in what makes sense, is that, okay, if you think he's such a great coach, then let him be a great coach. If you're the front office, let him be that great coach. Let him come up with a better game plan. Let him come up with better adjustments. Let him come up with hot routes in his offense and all that stuff. Let's see it, because apparently that's that's frowned upon. Or maybe in the worst case scenario, Jalen Hurts can't run it. But the other side of it, the more negative side of it, that also has a hand in reality, is where's Jason Kelsey next year? Yeah. Where's Fletcher Cox next year? If if those guys aren't here, and there's a good chance that both of them are not here, then those guys, what are they going to do? Leave the locker room with it on fire? Being like, oh, by the way, I'm out of here, and Nick Sirianni sucks. Good luck, everybody. No, they're going to, they're not, they don't want to poison the well that bad. So for me, those are two guys on their way out. I take everything they say with a grain of salt. I believe that they do have belief in, in Nick Sirianni. I think it was just a, I think it was everything going wrong at the worst possible time. And I think that everything going wrong at the worst possible time, yes, it had something to do with the 49ers. It absolutely had something to do with the Cowboys and those two games back to back. But I think the nail in the coffin for this team was when Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, whoever it was not named Nick Sirianni made the decision to move on from Sean Desai and essentially tell your defense, we're 10 and three in spite of you. This is your fault that we lost the last two games, despite the fact you had our only offense, you had our only touchdown against the Cowboys. We were 10 and three in spite of you. We've had to overcome your incompetence, but now we know how to fix it. And guys that are that are new to the Eagles, congratulations on getting another defensive coordinator, uh, another defensive play caller. Uh, you look at Kevin Byard coming over from the Titans. Learned Siri, uh, he learned uh, Desai. Then he had to learn Matt Patricia. Uh, Zach Cunningham was injured when he came back. He had to learn a whole new terminology, and he was your best linebacker by far. And of course, Shaq Leonard, that was brought in here for God knows what, <laughs> it got a week of Desai, and then the rest of his time here under Matt Patricia. You royally screwed over your defense. And that didn't just send a message to your defense. That sent a message to the whole team. That defense, this is your fault. And for the rest of the team, Nick Sirianni is not in charge. That's what it did. But to me, you're making my point, Farsi, because you just said whoever it was that made that decision, and it wasn't Nick Sirianni, and you mm -hmm. also said that was the nail in the coffin for this season. Yes. So then why should Sirianni be the one that loses his job if it wasn't him that put the nail in the coffin of losing that locker room and making that horrific what we call desperate decision. Mm -hmm. And I know what you're saying. It's because it's signaled to the team, well, maybe Nick Sirianni's not in charge. But, mm -hmm. okay, here's the here's the pipe dream. Is there any way that maybe, just maybe, after doing something like that, that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie will say, okay, you know what? That was on us. <laughs> now we're going to help Nick Sirianni build the staff and let him do his thing. Mm. And you keep you always say, what exactly is it that, you do here when we refer to, to Nick Sirianni and you look at there have been, and there still are 
very successful coaches who take on that CEO type mm-hmm. role. You know, you see it with Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, John Harbaugh in Baltimore. You see it to a certain extent with Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. We're seeing it with Dan Campbell in Detroit. Campbell's not calling the plays, right? He's got an offensive coordinator. I don't think Campbell calls the plays. So you can have a very successful team. And I just keep going back to, then what did we see last year? I get it. They had a great offensive coordinator in Shane Steichen. Phenomenal. They had a good defensive coordinator. Whether we like it or not, Jonathan Gannon was a good defensive coordinator. But you still had Nick Sirianni as the head coach. So why are we now just going to completely flush everything that happened last year? Everything that happened. Everything that Sirianni did in year one. Everything he did in year two. Now we have a few rough games. Horrible rough games. I'm not underestimating how bad it was. But just say, okay, we're going to move on. Because we know what's going to happen. They're going to try to find another young coach. They're not bringing in Mike Vrabel. They're not bringing in Bill Belichick. They're not bringing in Pete Carroll. They're not going to do that. So they're going to find another young coach who they can control. That's just how they operate. Why are we moving on from Sirianni? Why do we think the devil we don't know is going to be better than what we currently have, who's a guy who's had a lot of success? Mm -hmm. Because I think the devil that we're looking for is one that can win an argument with his bosses. And taking over a team uh, like to Andy Reid's standard where he was the guy that was making moves and Tom Heckert would oversee things and Howie Roseman and Joe Banner would oversee things. And then there was a power struggle between Joe Banner and Andy Reid that Andy Reid won. And then there was another power struggle with Howie Roseman and Howie Roseman won. You want to see somebody come in here and at least have some cojones to be able to win an argument. And that's not Nick Sirianni. I think if Nick Sirianni won an argument, the Eagles are advancing in the playoffs because they don't make that drastic change at the, on the defensive side of the football. So that's what it comes down to. Look, if you're looking for for blame, yes, absolutely, front office, a thousand percent, including uh, J- J- um, uh, Jeffrey Lurie, which is just weird to talk about the owner as part of the front office and not in a separate entity, the owner. But he has forced his way into that front office. So for me, I look at Nick Sirianni as a guy that's just not going to win, not, not going to win an argument for the overall greater good of the football team because he's just not that guy. That's why I think people want to take a shot with somebody else, because I think you can look at Jalen Hurts. And I look at Jalen. I look at Jalen Hurts, and I have a thousand times more confidence that Jalen Hurts will be uh, a better quarterback next year than Nick Sirianni will be an overall head coach. And Jalen Hurts saying today that he essentially wants to run it back with Brian, or excuse me, saying yesterday that he wants to run it back with Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson. Huge red flag right there. So what is this team going to do? Are they going to bring in some other offensive coordinator, some offensive play caller, and all of a sudden say after a year that that guy plays well, or excuse me, calls plays well, he becomes a head coach somewhere else? Like for me, and I think that's what the Eagles tried to do with Brian Johnson this year. Elevate him. He gets a job somewhere else. The Eagles get a compensatory pick out of it. They think, oh, yeah, anyone can win with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Hurts. Turns out that wasn't the case. So I think that they are grasping at straws right now to try to figure out a way where they're not going to have to do a complete overhaul but still have significant um, uh, uh, uptick in production next year. And to me, that sounds a whole lot like like, uh, Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Now, I know I'm going to get killed in the chat. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Because as frustrated as we all are right now, and I'm frustrated too with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, we cannot deny that Jeffrey Lurie has been a pretty damn good owner. I mean, you look at since 2000, I'm looking at the stats now. Since 2000, the Eagles have the third most postseason appearances at 16. 
That's second to only the New England Patriots mm-hmm. and Green Bay Packers. And I get it. They only have one Super Bowl during that time. But we can't deny that this organization has had a lot of success with Lurie as the owner, with Roseman as the GM, and I'm not absolving Roseman. I think he did a terrible job of building this defensive roster. But I just think that all of us, including me, and I've done it over the last 48 hours, need to relax. We're frustrated at the way this season ended, but when you look at the overall picture of Nick Sirianni over the last three seasons, of this Philadelphia Eagles organization over the last 23 years dating back to 2000, We can't deny that they've been one of the most successful organizations in the entire National Football League, and I'm waiting to get killed in the chat. People are calling me Dave Spadaro. (laughs) Are you you talking to spuds too much on them Tuesdays there, Bill? I think so, man. Is that what's going on? I think so. Infiltrated your brain? No. um, (laughs) I I, I said this forever with with Andy Reid, and now it just goes more so uh, with Jeffrey Lurie. You finally got to the mountaintop, and you did it with Doug Peterson. And then he was fired. <laughs> like what the what you you had been waiting your entire tenure as the Eagles owner to win a Super Bowl. You finally do it in the most unlikely scenario possible, and you fire the guy a couple years later because he he God forbid your head coach wanted to have his own coaching staff. What the hell? So you move on to Nick Sirianni, get back to a Super Bowl, all of a sudden you're patting yourself on the back even more. Look, it's us. It's us. Me, Howie, and the analytics. It's us. We're the, we can plug and play a coach. We can plug and play a quarterback, and we get back to the Super Bowl. It's simple as that. That is horrendous. That poisoned uh, a, a lot of people's brains, unfortunately, that have uh, a big-time role with the Eagles organization, including Jeffrey Lurie. But when you think about Lori's overall time here owning the Eagles, it's been great. It's been one. It's been far better than what you and I grew up with. No question about that. However, you know, you're a kid. You, you see your older siblings go to a dance. You want to go to the dance. You finally get to the dance. You're too scared to get on the dance floor. You're watching everybody else get. They finally get on the dance floor, right? Oh my goodness! You finally dance with the prettiest girl there. At some point, you want to take her home. The Eagles have only taken her home once. So you can have a lot fun, a lot more fun. It can continue to get better and better and better. And then it sort of just plateaus there for a while. When it plateaus, even if you're better than where you started out, you still want more. And that's ultimately what Jeffrey Lurie's time as an owner has left us wanting. Way more often than not. Even when we started to get used to going to NFC Championship games with Andy Reid. You know what eventually we wanted to do? Get to the Super Bowl. They got to the Super Bowl, took the major step backwards. And then gave us a little bit of hope two years after that with the Jeff Garcia run that happened in 06. So you just continue to want more. And one championship in the 27 years, whatever it's been now with with uh, Jeffrey Laurie as the owner, that ain't enough, man. That ain't enough. Yeah, I'm getting killed by my power hour crew. They're turning on me in the chat, Farsi. <laughs> turning on me. Yeah. But hey, look, hey, look, just... look I'll, say, just real, I'll just say this. Jeffrey Laurie, as an owner generally speaking, is an owner that you want. I'll agree with you on that. It's definitely an owner you want. He'll sign the checks. He'll back the team. He, he's there to, to – I never feel gouged by Jeffrey Lurie as an owner of the Eagles, like a cheap skate or anything like that. He does a lot of things that everybody else in the NFL does as far as the, the seat licensing and all that stuff. That's just I, – I hate it, but it, that's the nature of the beast in the NFL. But you ultimately want an owner that is going to financially back your team and gives a damn. He gives a damn. He absolutely financially backs your team. He's not afraid of the cap, as we know. Howie Roseman has done a phenomenal job with a lot of the stuff that he's done since taking over for Chip Kelly when he did. 
But all in all, the meddling owner is never a good thing. Let the football people continue to make the big football decisions. When you try to get a little too involved, that's where things get askew. And that's where we're at right now, unfortunately. Well, there was a lot of things I wanted to talk to you about today, and we went a full 25 minutes just let's go flyers baby Nick sirianni let's go flyers so yeah we got the fly guys man starting their four game homestand tonight loving our flyers dude Absolutely, loving our brother. flyers i can't wait i'm just praying praying we get playoff hockey back in south philadelphia this coming season but I'm with you. we will see I'm with and you. i wanted to talk to you about the sixers and the big trade for the pacers getting pascal siakam but yeah It'll have to we have to wait, Farsi. We're going to lose you now. Unless oh, we want God. to extend the power hours. Should the power hour go for two hours? <laughs> What's going on? Is Rob Ellis up next? Yeah, we'll tell Rob. Rob and Tone. Listen, me and Farsi got a lot <laughs> to talk breather. about. Yeah. Xander, tell them we're going to push off sports take today. We're going full four hours on the Yeah, right. Yeah, get an extra cup of coffee, fellas. No. All right. Well, anyway. I appreciate you, Farsi. I back appreciate you, brother. Even though we disagree, yes. you're still my brother. Yeah, back, <laughs> back at you, Fratello. See you, buddy. <laughs> All right, my man. So make sure you guys check out the Farsi show every day, Monday through Friday. He's 6 to 7 a.m. Farsi gets up nice and early and puts out a great product early in the morning, and you can catch it all day on your own convenience if you're not up at 6 a.m. But that's my man, Mark Farzetta. And I see you guys in the chat, and I see you disagreeing with me. I just think that we all need to calm down. Me too. Listen, after I watched what happened in that wild card game to the Tampa Bay Bucks, after I saw what happened in week 18 against the New York Giants, I lost my mind. Lost my mind. And I thought, there's no way you could bring Sirianni back next season. Not after what we just witnessed on the field. But when you do take a step back and you look at things objectively, and I see people in the chat talking about, oh, well, you can skew the stats and the numbers any way you want. What's bigger sample size? The, the last seven games that we just saw or the last, how many, how many games has Nick Sirianni been the head coach of this Philadelphia Eagles team now? It's been three seasons. So I think his first season was a 16-game season, and then last year, 17, this year, 17. I just think when we look at the bigger picture and you take the entire state of an evidence, Look, you guys know I used to be an attorney. I used to be a trial lawyer, right? We take all of the evidence, not just a little bit of it, not just the small sample size that you just saw. When we look at all of the evidence in its entirety, I can't see why we would make this move now. I think he is at the very least earned another season. I just think he has. I think it would be a knee jerk. I think it would be an overreaction. And I do think we are underestimating the Super Bowl hangover. It's something we talked about all offseason. That's all we wanted to talk about. Could this team be the first NFC team in 50 years? You got to go all the way back to 1973. There has not been an NFC team to lose the Super Bowl and get back to the Super Bowl in 50 years. So because he couldn't overcome that, he's fired? Because he couldn't do something that six legends have done? I gave you the names of the coaches. Six legends have done, which is get back to the Super Bowl. He's gone? And really what we were asking him to do this season is do something that no coach has ever done 
in NFL history, and that's lose the Super Bowl and lose both of your coordinators and get back to a Super Bowl. Because he couldn't do that, he's fired. As I look at that, I think that we are crazy, me included, crazy, that yesterday and the day before, I was even considering firing him. Because I just don't think it is right for us to sit here now and think that we're going to be able to fire Nick Sirianni and all the success he has had and think that we're going to be in a better state next season. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And you guys can try to convince me otherwise. They're not bringing in Bill Belichick. They're not bringing in Mike Vrabel. I know that's what everybody wants to happen. That's not what's going to happen. So what they're going to do is they're going to have to try to find another unknown coach and pray to God that he's going to have success. Look at all of the mishires that teams make at the head coaching position. Just look at the New York Giants. Look at the coaches that they have tried to hire over the last few years and how many times they swing and miss. I just think it would be an overreaction to think that moving on from this guy with all of the success we have seen in the last three years, that we're going to be better off next season with whoever they would bring in as head coach. So I know you guys disagree with me. I still love all of you. I hope you still love me too. We're going to disagree on things sometimes. It's the reality of the world. And that's what makes sports so damn good is we can disagree, but we respect each other's opinions. And I respect all of you guys in the chat. And I understand the frustration because I was right there with you. I was right there with you. I just look at all of the evidence here and it tells me they should bring them back. I'm not forgiving him for what happened the last seven games. I mean, that was ridiculous what we saw. But I'm just giving him a chance to get it right. And I pray and hope they don't bring back Brian Johnson because the one thing we can agree on, I'm sure you will agree with me, I'm good with bringing Sirianni back. But if they try to sell me on bringing back Sirianni and Brian Johnson, now I'm going to lose my mind. I don't want to hear about the stats. I don't want to hear about the fact that they finished top 10 in offense. If you bring back Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson, now I'm going to lose my mind. I'm okay bringing back Nick. But you're going to bring in a different offensive coordinator. You're going to bring in a different freaking play caller than what we saw this season. So, there was a lot of other things I wanted to talk about today, guys, but we're running out of time. So let's just take a quick look, quick Sixers talk. One of the names a lot of people wanted the Sixers to bring in was Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors. Unfortunately, the Pacers make a big trade yesterday. If you guys were tuned in with Kayla Santiago, she said it. She goes, I wouldn't make the trade. The Pacers are going to have to give up a ton. Well, they gave up a freaking ton. Bruce Brown, Jordan Nuora, Kyra Lewis, and three first-round draft picks. They traded the Toronto Raptors their pick in 2024. And then the worst of the Houston Rockets, L.A. Clippers, Oklahoma City Thunder, or Utah Jazz's first-round pick, whatever one's worse, and then a 2026 top-four protected pick in exchange for Pascal Siakam. So big winners in that trade are the Toronto Raptors. That is a haul. For a guy who's going to demand a max contract this offseason. 
So as much as I would have loved to have seen Pascal Siakam on the court with Embiid and Maxi, that's just too much to give up, in my opinion, for a guy who's going to demand another Max deal. We already made the mistake of giving Tobias a Max deal. So I don't think you should have made that move. But now what do the Sixers do? So we'll have to see. Zach Levine still available. Still a guy I think maybe they should make a move. I still think they lack that third score to pair with Embiid and Maxi. As good as Pat Bev is playing and Tobias has taken over some games, I still think they need that third score. So I'd still make the move for Zach Levine. I know some people don't like that move. I would do it. And then like we talked about, the Fly Guys start their four-game homestand tonight against the Dallas Stars. Dallas have a good team this year, 26-12-5. But the Fly Guys are playing well, winners of four in a row. Second in the Metropolitan Division. Still hold the number two penalty kill in the entire NHL. Last in power play. But they've been pretty good over the last few games. They've been getting better at the, at the power play. So watch out. If they could put that together, if they could start scoring on the power play, this team's going to be really tough, man. Really tough. And I see Jim G saying trade Carter Hart for a score. I'd still keep Carter Hart. I know Samuel Erson's playing well. But I would still keep Carter Hart. Look, we've had a lot of goalie issues over the years in this town, man. We've had a lot of goalie issues. You look back, if you guys are Flyers fans and all the heartbreaks we've had, a lot of it came down to the goaltender. So the fact that we have two good goalies right now, Carter Hart and Samuel Erson, I'm rolling with them. I'm rolling with them. I don't want to see it taking a chance getting rid of a stud goalie again. We've had too many heartbreaks in this town. But guys, like we end every Philadelphia Sports Power Hour, with a little Today in Sports History, January 18th, 1951, the NFL made a major rule change. January 18th, 1951, and the rule change was no offensive tackle, guard, or center could be eligible to catch or touch a forward pass. So it was today in 1951 that they said, wait a second. We can't have everybody on the field eligible. That's too hard for defenses to defend. So it was today in history, in 1951, that they made the ineligible receiver. Completely changed the NFL. Could you imagine watching games where everybody was eligible on every single play? Be a little bit different. But guys, I appreciate all of you in the chat. I love that the engagement, I love that you disagree with me. That's fine. Keep it coming. Make sure you're following me on Twitter and Instagram and all your social media platforms because I'm going to be posting daily content like I always do, and I'm going to be coming out with content on why I think they should keep Sirianni. So bring that same heat on social media. I want to see it. I want to see it. But we'll be back here tomorrow, guys, with a little Football Friday edition. We'll take a look around all these divisional games. I know a lot of us want to just ignore that the NFL are still going on because the Eagles aren't in it, but. I love the NFL playoffs. So we'll take a look around the NFL, see who we think is going to win on these matchups. I had a bad week, man. I was off in the wild card round for sure. So let's see if we can get it back in the divisional round. But appreciate my Power Hour crew. Hit that like button on the way out. And as always, go Birds. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. 
go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.